Earn episode nine of th- nine on hockey. Excited to be uh, at the ninth episode. A little special there with number nine. I like it, Bob. Number nine, and uh, should be a good one. Talk about your trip and uh, last week's games and upcoming events. It's amazing how it's the start of the season's two weeks old already, and uh, yeah, I've been to a lot of games so far over the course of the last couple of uh, couple of weeks. It's been uh, I think ten altogether, nine NHL and one that American Hockey League game in San Jose last week. So. Uh- yeah, I personally think that the Islanders, should, you should actually fly with the Islanders and all the road trips that you go on with them, part of the team. I like that idea, especially when coming back from Los Angeles, I was in like 54H in the middle seat for four and a half hours. So, but, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't mind that at all, but I don't think that's on in the cards right now. But no, overall, what are your thoughts? First two weeks, I know we talked, we had our season premiere episode a couple of weeks ago. What have been some of the ideas that you see as far as surprises and what are some of the ones that you kind of expected? Well, I expected as we talk about the Leafs and, you know, you asked me about Austin with the sophomore slump and, and I said I didn't think that was going to take uh, take effect and it hasn't. He's uh, leading the Leafs and uh, two overtime winners. I mean, he's just continued where he left off uh, from last season. And I think the biggest surprise, maybe one or two, I know you agree probably with me, is Las Vegas. I mean, five and one right now. Um on Mark Andre Fleury playing well, he gets hurt, and they pick up PK's or PK's brother uh, Malcolm. Malcolm Subban, and he comes in and he plays his first game against the Boston Bruins. He gets his first ever NHL win, so it's kind of funny how things work out. And of course, uh, my boy Coleman playing on the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they've had a great start to this uh, this this season. No, it really has. I got to see New Jersey when I was up there. Their home opener, and uh, Nico Heischer looks. Uh, he looks to be a, a special player, but let's let's go back a little bit about Austin. I mean, what he's been able to do, and it's almost unfair how quick the release is that he has. And you know, NHL goaltenders are going to have to start to make adjustments for him because he's just he's getting that shot off so quickly. He's such a special player, and, and uh, you look when he picks that puck up, and you think defenders have have got him, and his hands are so quick. And as you saw when he scored that goal the other night against the Red Wings, coming down the wing, that little pull and release and shooting it through defenseman's legs is just a special special player and uh, and you can see why he was picked number one and why he won the calder last year and and why the leafs are gonna he's gonna be a toronto maple leaf for a long time i know at the end of the season he's gonna get a big payday and uh, he deserves it no question about it, especially with some of the contracts that have been handed out with you know Connor mcdavid and jack eichel i you, you almost have to think at this point right now austin's one of the top five players in the national hockey league and really at the top end of that oh yeah 100 percent. and i mean uh, there's a handful of guys and when uh, you know you think Connor mcdavid Sidney crosby patrick kane and and you and you put austin matthews in there those are the guys that are the next generation of the nhl that's gonna make this game even better and bring more people and fans in to watch so you know i'm excited uh, to watch him play and i know every time uh, you look for the leafs to play who they play and you want to see him play and uh some of the guys he's playing with so it's it's great for the nhl and obviously great for the uh, toronto maple leafs no i think it's well deserved and you know the, you look at that organization and the what brendan shanahan did right from the start you know making sure that he got players out that weren't committed he got the best coach in the national hockey league lou lamorello who's won three stanley cups as a general manager you know from top to bottom they basically have the best in class and you know they've drafted well even before uh, they drafted Austin, and and now it just seems like they really are set up to be a team that can uh, win for quite a bit of time. Yeah, and the dividends are finally paying off for Toronto because I know Toronto fans for a long time they didn't have a good hockey team. I mean, you had back in the day Wendell Clark, Dougie Gilmore, and, and those guys when the Leafs were, were were really good, and then they went through a lull for a, a lot of years. And uh, Leaf fans, uh, you know, 
they they were at the games, but they they weren't happy, and and now they have something to smile about and uh, ex- to get excited about because you you have to think that Toronto is one of those teams that has a contention. Uh, I know it's early, but to to make a run in the playoffs. Oh, I think they're already planning the parade on Young Street there yeah. in Toronto. Oh, so yeah. it's uh, I I see that there's uh, you know no shortage of uh, of confidence there from the fans or from. Uh, from the NHL overall, but I, I think again some of the surprises on the other end. You mentioned New Jersey, you know, really playing well, getting young guys to step up beyond just Heischer, and obviously you have the goaltending that's uh, been very good with Corey Schneider. I, I don't know whether they're, you know, you get those points early on. I don't still whether wonder where over an eighty-two game season if they have enough in the tank to get them into the playoffs. But certainly it's a you know a great strip, step forward for the New Jersey Devil organization. No, absolutely. And uh, I was watching something on the NHL Network the other night, and they were talking about their America's team. Uh, the Devils have, I think, the most Americans on their roster right now. To all the NHL teams, but uh, I know reading something today that Corey Schneider's going on the IR. Uh, so that can definitely uh, definitely put a damper on their uh, in their lineup with him not being in the pipes for them. But New Jersey is young. You talk about Nico Heischer. He scored his first two goals last night. Um, and so that's a good confident builder for him. And you, you have to think that he's just going to con- continue to build off that and get more points and more goals. And you realize how important it is for it to have the two goaltender system. I mean, Keith Kincaid has done a very good job over the last couple of years. You see it now with Mark Andre Fleury getting hurt, and you know again in a concussion situation. You don't know what the, the long, how long he's going to be out for, but you, you can't. I, don't, I just don't see how you can win long term and not have two goaltenders. And I think you know we watched the Islander Ranger game last night. You see the Rangers right now relying heavily on Henrik Lundqvist, and you're going to need that. I think they're they're going to miss the anti Ranta days and certainly the days of Cam Talbot as the backup goaltender for uh, for Henrik there. No, hundred percent. And you know we talk about it all the time. Look at the Penguins last year; they won the Cup. You got Mark Andre Fleury winning the first two rounds. I mean, single handedly, he was he stood on his head, and then uh, and then you bring the other goaltender in there to to finish it off. I mean, so you need both goaltenders to win. And and as you saw it, so it's it's tough to only have one goaltender try to take that whole load all year. Edmonton did it last year with Talbot. I think he played the most games in the NHL, um, and they got to the second round. And uh, you know who knows maybe if he had a little more rest, but uh, you need two goaltenders. Goaltending wins championships. Uh, there's no question about it, and certainly for the Islanders who. I basically <laughs> followed around through the first two weeks of the season. The two goaltending situation has been good, not maybe as good as we would have liked, but uh, Thomas Grice struggled in the first game against uh, you know against Columbus, then had a good bounce back game. He played well against St. Louis in that afternoon game, and uh, certainly stole the game in San Jose last uh, last week. And what a cool building that is! It's uh, it's amazing that you know a building that somehow seems new to me. Uh, is over 20 years old, and compared to some of the other buildings, it did look a little antiquated, but great atmosphere, great fan base there, and it was kind of funny. They had an afternoon game with an American Hockey League. Uh, the Barracudas were playing, and I think they had about 1,000 people in the building, and so it, was you know, yeah. it was empty, and then 17,000-plus later that night, so you saw the difference in you know, the players coming out from the Shark. It was a, a really cool experience and a great, uh, a great building to see, and you know, the next night I went to Los Angeles and got to see the Staples Center, which is basically probably the world-class building in the, the NHL. And, boy, that is all Hollywood there. They certainly put on a show from start to finish. And in the middle of the game, they put the, the Dodger score up there, and uh, Justin Turner had the walk-off home run. So, you know, the, it's certainly a lot of fun going on in Southern California right now. Yeah, so, I mean, how many – I know you, you you love the Islanders. You travel around. How many more rinks do you have to, uh, to get to, to now to get to – I know your goal is to – 
to get to every building in the NHL where the Islanders are playing. How many more do you need? Um, I think I need eight now uh, with uh, Detroit now being a new building. Oh, nice. So we'll have to – some of them are a little hard to go to Edmonton and uh, in Calgary and those buildings. But, um, you know, knocked off a couple of them on uh, on, on this trip. And then uh, St. Louis a little later in the, um, you know, the season. I think that's in November. and. I think maybe Las Vegas in January get to catch that, so it'll be fun. And you know, I, I've shared this on the Islander Point Blank podcast. Uh, those guys do a great job. Um, they, yeah. You know, I travel with Caitlin so much to be able for her to see the games and how you know it's just it's fun to be able to now pass that on. I know both your boys play hockey and and, and just absolutely li- you know eat and sleep hockey at this point. But for me to have a teenage daughter who loves it so much, and oh. like, she came home from school wearing her Andres Lee jersey the other day, so all in with the. Uh, you know, with us in hockey, but the Islanders, you know, what a little bit of your thoughts on them three, three and one now to start the season. I know you're kind of, you think they'll make the playoffs, but uh, what are your thoughts now? Two weeks in, you know, I think they'll make the playoffs. It's so early to judge. I know everybody gets, I mean, everybody about Toronto right now, they're six and one and uh, you know, Islanders are three and three, but it's so early in the season. And and we, we talk about this all, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Uh, You can't get too high. All the little cliches can't get too low. So there's going to be, there's going to be some high points in the season. There's going to be some low points in the season. And, uh, you know, you might see some, I mean, you look at the Oilers right now, they started off, this was the team that we're talking about going to the Stanley cup and they, and, you know, looking at them right now, they got a big overtime win last night in Chicago, but, uh, they didn't start so hot. You got Connor McDavid, arguably the best player in the NHL. And, and you have to think that, uh, they're going to pick it up. So, Real early in the season right now, but obviously as, as a fan or as a coach and as a player, you want to get off to a good start. Um, so the Islanders right now, I think they have a good hockey team. And I know you talked about uh, Grice that first game. I know you text me the next day, not so hot what we started because <laughs> we were talking about the preseason play. But, um, you know, it's just uh, guys finding there's new players on each team still getting to know each other, getting that chemistry down. And I think you're going to start seeing teams uh, by the by month two, month three. You're going to start really seeing okay, who's a contender, who's not a contender, um, and and the chemistry with players uh, coming together. So I still think that the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. I still think that uh, they have a really good team led by their captain. I know that uh, all Islander fans want to see uh, Johnny T sign a long term deal and lock him up for a long time to be an Islander the rest of his career. But um, you know, those are the things that we have to wait and see with the building. What's going to go on there? Uh, but uh, I know you've, you've turned me on to the Islanders. Become I, I never really watched the Islanders until I met you, and now I, every time they're on, I got them on watching them, and I, I really think they have a good team with some acquisitions they made in the offseason, and I think their goaltending is going to help them get in the playoffs. So in the first seven games, six of them, John Tavares does not have a point. How much do you think, as much as nobody's approaches their profession more than John Tavares does in a business-like manner, but – do you think that this starts to weigh on them? You've played in the, the game when there are outside pressures that go on. Does that start to weigh on your player? Do you think, that, hey, this is just a you know, uh, a little bit of a small sample size and he'll be fine by the end of the season? And I think he'll be fine by the end of the season. I know as a player, as an athlete, uh, you know, you don't score, you don't get points for two, three, four games. You can't let that creep into your mind, like what's going on, and you start squeezing the sap out of your stick is, is what they say, and uh, trying to, you're trying to score so bad and – I think when you don't get uh, points or you don't score, it's just going back, doing the little things, uh, playing good D, finishing your checks, making the right plays, playing good D zone, um, and, and the goals will come. They, they, the, the cliche is they're like bananas. They come in bunches. Um, so you just keep doing doing the little things, doing the small things right, and, and the goals will come, especially for a, a guy like him and his talent. He's one of the, the elite in the NHL, and 
uh, you know he's going to start lighting it up and, uh, and just sooner or later, I know hopefully for the Islanders and the Islander fans. How about our boy Brock Nelson with a couple yeah. of goals to start the season? That wrist shot is uh, is working really well. He's one of the, you know, I think it's important to have a player like him that can score from the top of the circles. And I know that um, sometimes Islander fans want to see a little bit more out of Brock. But when you take a look at where he is, I think he's actually in the top 50 in total goals scored over the course of the last three seasons. So it goes to show you what a great uh, – you know, great production that Brock's had over the last couple of years. Yeah, and that's what you need when your your top guys aren't scoring goals. You need secondhand scoring, and Brock right now putting the puck in the net, and you get Anders Lee starting to score, and, and you get you get Ladd, you get some goals in there. So you just can't depend on Johnny T all the time to to score all the goals, just like the Oilers. I mean, we talked about it last year. I think uh, Connor McDavid, I don't know how many percentage, he scored all the goals or had points on all the goals. You need secondhand scoring, so you need Brock, and you need those other guys to score uh, when when John's not scoring, when he's scoring, you got them all all cylinders rolling. Then you're getting wins and they're piling up. So um, I don't think John or the Islanders are too worried about him scoring or getting points right now. Because like I said, they're like bananas; they come in bunches. He's going to start scoring. Well, speaking of scoring right now, Matt Barzell, who was my pick to win the Calder Trophy, got his first goal. He had an assist the other night in Los Angeles and finally put one. Must be special to think first NHL goal against Henrik Lundqvist at Madison Square Garden. That's one he's going to remember for a while. Yeah, that's one he's going to tell his grandkids about when he's uh, when he's older. And uh, it, it's always uh, getting that first one uh, is always is always special uh, to get it off your back. And now he can just focus on uh, you know playing his game. His speed is just unbelievable. I know we talked about it in the preseason uh, one goal he scored in the preseason game. It looked like it was in fast motion, but it was it was real time. And, that's just how fast he is, and he's going to use the NHL right now is all speed. That's why you talk about all the concussions and injuries. The game is so much more faster in the reaction time, uh, and you see a lot of guys getting hurt more from concussions and hits. Uh, but the, it's a speed game right now, and, he, and himself and a couple other guys in this game, like Connor McDavid, and uh, the speed is is ridiculous. And so that's going to really help him, and he's going to get a lot of points. Being this is his rookie year, you're going to see him around for a long time. All right. Hey, you mentioned always remember your first pro goal. Do you remember your first pro goal? I do remember. I was a backhand goal. The funny thing is uh, every league that I played in, it was American League. I remember my American League goal. I remember my Coast League goal. It was all backhands. If you would ask me how are you going to score, it was a backhand in the high slot, both of them. One was off the faceoff and one against Milwaukee in the American League, and then the other one was against uh, Columbus in the uh in the echl so i remember them both like it was yesterday even though it was a long long time ago but uh both of them were backhands and your last pro goal ahl goal that was against braden holpe right uh yes it was actually it was uh when i was in rochester got a good pass and uh split the d was in alone on him and he came out and made a backhand and, and scored and that was my last american league goal it was against uh holpe and i always tell my kids we sit and watch on tv watch the, the capitals i say hey daddy scored on him and uh they all laugh and i don't think they know <laughs> but uh well, that's awesome yeah, yeah it's probably bad that i actually remember that little like, bit of ernie hartley I trivia like but uh, that's good now obviously uh we're here in southwest florida and our our local team here for in the ECHL is the Florida Everblades, and they are starting their 20th season. You have your number hanging at the top of the rafters there at Jermaine Arena. Um, I know that last week they kind of brought you out on the ice and honored you to start uh, some of the festivities for the 20th anniversary. What was that like last week? Oh, it was it was uh, it was nice. It was it was a very special moment. It's hard to believe it's uh, been 20 years. I remember uh, wearing the 10 year anniversary jersey back when I was playing, and obviously before that. But uh, it was a special moment. Uh, they brought out another 
former Everblade Tom Buckley, whose jersey was retired. And they also had uh, Reggie Berg, who was gonna, but he couldn't make the event. Um, so they honored us on the ice before the game with Craig Brush and uh, Chris Palin, and we got some jerseys and they showed some highlight clips. And uh, you know, I was got to drop the puck. I was wondering what it was like to drop the ceremonial puck before the game. So we got to do that, and it was it was a special moment. Um, even though in my head I still think I get up in the, in the morning and feel like I'm still a player and go to the game, but uh, you see we're getting older. But it was a great uh, it was a great experience, and I know my kids loved it. And actually, both of my boys were on the ice before the game, and my little one Jackson before the game got to say the three magic words: "Let's play hockey" in front of a packed house at Germain. So I was I think I was more proud to see my boys on the ice and seeing them do that than having myself out there. So it was a, it was a great moment, and I was just happy. I just wished. Uh, my boys could actually see me play hockey, but uh, it's great to see them out there now, and I get to coach them. Oh, that's great. So, so you mentioned 20 years with the Everblades. There's got to be some great memories that you've had over the course of those 20 years as a player. I know you got to announce the the cup-winning goal in overtime a few years ago against Las Vegas when they won the Kelly Cup. Yeah. Any memories that stand out for you over the course of the last 20 years? Oh, obviously there's uh, tons of tons of goals. I think as a hockey player, um, you know, if you ask any hockey player what, what they miss most or what, what they, uh, stands out most of them is, is, is hanging out with the guys on road trips, being at the locker room, just hanging out, doing stuff. You got 20 brothers hanging out, but I probably the, the most memorable goal, uh, you know, that I scored for the Everblades was back in 05 uh, in the Kelly Cup Finals. We were in Trenton, went into overtime, and once again I scored in overtime, but it was a backhand goal again. So it's kind of funny on all these special moments, uh, the memories that are backhand goals. But uh, it was uh, overtime in the Kelly Cup Finals, Game 3, and uh, Force Game 4. So that was probably one of my biggest goals I scored with the Everblades and most memorable uh memorable goal I scored. Oh, that's terrific. And there's been, you know, I think for, you know, many of our, our listeners, they're in NHL cities. And, you know, for myself, I grew up in, you know, in New York and have the Islanders and Rangers and the Devils there. But there's something special about getting to see some of these uh, minor league games and the, the passionate fan base, even being in San Jose last week, there were plenty of people walking around wearing Barracuda jerseys. And certainly we've, we've been to Bridgeport and a couple of American League cities and certainly in, in the ECHL. Uh, the, those fans are fantastic and the way they support those teams from a grassroots level. So, you know, for any of our listeners, if you get an opportunity to visit your, uh, either your American league affiliate or the ECHL affiliate, it's, it's a great deal of fun. And you, certainly I know tickets are expensive, uh, you know, very expensive in some of these arenas. Yeah. Um, what a great value it is. And particularly the Everblades here, if people are on vacation here in Southwest Florida in the winter time, you get an opportunity to catch an Everblades game. It really is a tremendous amount of fun. Yeah, it's it's a great time, and I think uh, you know what 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 fans or not fans, but players love most about here is the 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 fan base is unbelievable. I mean, it's not just that they're fans, but they bring you in and they take you like you like your family. I mean, a lot of my best buddies and friends and everybody that I've met down here were all fans or people that came to Everblade games that I've become really close with and still are today, even though I'm not playing now. But uh, I think that's what makes it so special about the, you know, the minor league teams is that uh, these fans, they, they become part of your family and, uh, and your closest friends. So it's, it's a special moment. And that's why I still stay down here. Uh, I met my wife down here and still all my closest friends are, were all Everblade fans who came to the game. So it's, uh, it was, it was great for me and, and great now for my family. And it is interesting when you see, you know, players, careers, they, in a fan standpoint, they kind of just fade off, but there's a second part to people's lives. You know, most guys retire and they have a second career and, you know, for yourself, I know you've been extremely successful and you mentioned Reggie and, and Tom, they've been incredibly successful. And you see that, that transition for an athlete, um, when they leave the game, 
Yeah. Um, you know, you've been totally focused on one thing your entire life from the time you were four or five years old. And then you find yourself in either your late twenties or early thirties, having to make a decision saying, Hey, I'm going to do something else with my life that doesn't involve hockey. That is a different, difficult transition. Oh, it's, a, it's like a culture shock. I mean, I mean, still to this day, it's been eight years since I've, uh, you know, retired and you still, I think no matter what, whether you're a, a hockey player, a baseball player, football player, no matter what, you're always going to have that in your blood that, you were a hockey player or whatnot, whatever sport you played, but uh, it is—it's a big transition, and I think the hardest thing for athletes, uh, whether whatever sport it is, is making that transition because you were, like you said, you've been so focused since you were three, four, five years old, and that's all you were groomed to. Obviously, we went to college, and our parents were smart enough to make us—we went to college, got an education, and everything like that. But uh, you know, it is—it is, uh, is a shock, and it is—you'll always have it in you, and you'll always consider yourself a hockey player or at least I will until I'm old hopefully in gray and still say yeah I played I was a hockey player so I have a feeling you'll be out on the ice for a long time I, at Ben's well, I League hope so. and I hope so. that's I hope so. uh, that is awesome so we hit you know head into the now this next week some important games coming up what are you looking for we really didn't touch on the Red Wings off to a probably better start than you would have thought of earn four and three to start the season what are some things you like so far uh watching your Detroit Red Wings well you talk about Henrik Zetterberg their captain he's 37 years old and Still the leader, still the best player on that hockey team right now. And you got a lot of young guys. I know they had a tough night uh, in Toronto against Austin. We talked about him scoring that goal. I think there were four shots on goal on Jimmy Howard, in the first, and he let in three out of four, and he got pulled. And then the first shot um, went in uh, on the next on the next shot. Um, so, you know, I, the goaltending has always been uh, an up and down for the Red Wings. Uh, they have a young team. And uh, I think until they get that goaltending situation uh, figured out, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a rough season, I think, for the Red Wings. A long season, but always a Red Wing fan, um, and uh, and always will be. So hopefully that uh, Blashill and the boys can get that straightened out and they get back on the winning streak. Do you like the fact that Dylan Larkin's gotten off to a good start? Do you think that how do you think that helps them? Oh, big time! I think uh, Larkin last year that we talk about the sophomore slump. He had such a good uh, rookie season, and uh, coming into his uh, second year, he didn't have such a great year. I know his plus minus wasn't as good. He didn't have as many goals, but um, you know you can see now that uh, that he is he's had a good start, and um, and hopefully he can continue to build, to build off of what he started on, get some more points, and as, as well as the other Red Wings that uh, the young players that they have here. One of their veterans, and I know he was a deep partner of yours in uh, Grand Rapids, was Nicholas Cronwell. Um, you know. Toward the t- tail end of his career now, but what do you think of his play so far this year? I mean, having a veteran like himself out there, he's so cool, Common Collective. You want Nicholas Cronwell out there. I know he's had some injuries he's been dealing with the last, you know, two, three years. It's kept him out of the lineup, but he's one of those guys, a, a leader, a defenseman that's the staple on your decor um, that you want him out there. I mean, obviously, he's slowed down a little bit. He's 37 years old now, and. Uh, um, but but he's an all-around a leader, and if you knew him off the ice, what a great person he is. Um, and so seeing Nick being able to still be out there and playing and make a difference is is exciting for me. And I know uh, when when the Red Wings have come to town, and I've taken my kids down and uh, got to see Nick. He's such a such a great great human being. Taking my kids down and seeing them, and um, so I'm always cheering for Nicholas Cromwell and the Red Wings, and, and hopefully he can continue to uh, do what he does and, and have a good season. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the young players making an impact in the league and obviously the top end Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews uh, and those are world-class players but I know a lot of the fans I've talked to over the course of particularly this season really want to see 
teams use their young players, put them in better situations. But then NHL coaches, on the other hand, like to stick with veterans like Nick Cronwell, even though maybe the speed isn't there. But they, you, you see coaches always going in favor of experience sometimes over youth. What are your thoughts on that? Well, they want reliable, and they know that they can count on the veterans to make the smart plays, to do the right thing. Um, and, and so, I mean, that's what coaches are looking for. They Obviously, the fans want to see speed and goals and, and, and big plays, but the coaches want they want to be safe. They don't want to allow goals. They want to make sure that they know that that, that young winger is not going to throw the puck up through the middle that's going to cause a turnover. That veteran knows that, you know, I can't make that play to the middle, so I'm going to chip it off the glass and out. They want to know that they can count. Uh, on that, those players, especially the veterans, to make the smart plays. And it's not so much the offensive zone, it's more the defensive zone. Can they take care of their D zone? And I think that's where a lot of young players, even though you say, oh, this guy's unbelievable, like, you know, Barzell and, and, and all these that, that can score and have the speed, it's not so much the offense, it's more, can we take care of our D zone? Can I be uh, responsible defensively? And that's what the coaches look for. And that's why they play those veteran guys, because they know they can count on to make the smart and the right plays. You know, I was talking to one of the fans in San Jose, and he was really ooing and ahhing over Josh Hosang. And, I mean, he's one of those dynamic players when you watch him uh, with the puck and what he's able to do. But I, I was kidding him. I said, Josh creates offense wh- for whether he's on the ice all the time. Sometimes it's for the Islanders, and sometimes it's for the opposition. Yeah. And in a 3-2 league, it's very hard to give up that, you know, that wasted goal based on a turnover. You saw it last night. You know, the Islander-Ranger game, it was, you know, it was Anders Lee that turned the puck over, and it changed the whole complexion of the game, and it almost cost the Islanders. Yeah, and when, you know, we talk about turnovers like you're talking about, and the coaches always look for the the, the death of turnovers is uh, two to three feet inside your blue line or two to three feet outside the opposing team's blue line to turn that puck over. So if you watch a lot of highlight reels, and I know probably a lot of fans don't watch and they see this, and you watch how goals are created, it's a turnover right out the blue line or right inside the blue line, and... Um, I know, you know, I watch, when I watch the highlights, you can see, yeah, it's an amazing goal. What a great player. Mc, uh, McDavid went end to end or got the puck, but it's the turnover at the blue line that, that causes those, uh, those goals to happen. And that's what we talk about having the veteran player that they know that, uh, the young player is going to try to make a move at the blue line to be fancy and dipsy doodle when the smart play is just to chip it behind the defenseman and go get it, even though obviously they don't want to do, they want to try to make a move and, and, and beat the defenseman one-on-one, but there are some situations, no matter who it is, even if you are Connor McDavid and you think you can get through anybody like that, sometimes you have to chip it in. And that's what causes those turnovers that gets the young players in trouble uh, that causes goals. So um, those are the things that I watch for when I watch NHL on the fly or NHL tonight or whatnot. And, and you can see how goals are created. And that's what coaches look at, too. No, and I always find it fascinating. You know, the games you and I have attended over the course of the last eight, nine years together in person um, you see the game differently than I did. I, you know, I like to think I know a good deal yeah. about hockey, but even in the course of thirty plus years of watching it, a player has a different perspective, and I think that's what's interesting. And certainly, a coach he has an yeah. even different perspective. Well, than you, that. yeah, you. And sorry to cut you off. You can sit up there, and I think a lot of times when coaches sit out, guys, it's not so much to punish them, but to actually get them up in the press box, and you can watch the game from up top, and you can see, okay, I have more time, or I have, okay, you can see the play. That's why when we always go to the game. I can see when a goal is going to happen. I'm like, here, here comes a goal. They're going to mm-hmm. score. Because you can see from up top how the play is going to develop or you can see openings in the ice. And, um, you know, we talk about all the time, you know, here comes a goal. But uh, I think that's a lot too. Uh, players, uh, young players, they get healthy scratched or whatnot because coaches want them to see from up top, 
here's what we're looking at. You have more time or the play the smart plays to maybe chip it in here. So um, I enjoy watching them on TV, but I also enjoy going to the games with you and, and, and watching these happen. And that's why I like going to the Everblades game, doing the announcing. You can see plays develop from up top, and you, you know when something's going to happen. Oh, awesome. Well, here, and this has been great. We excited to have hockey back first two weeks. A lot of great plays already and uh, certainly a lot of excitement. Certainly appreciate all the support of people tweeting and exchanging on social media with all of you. Please, if you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and uh, and Stitcher as well and visit us on 9onhockey.com and you know, send some feedback and we'd love to send a couple more of those 9on Hockey shirts and really appreciate the models that you had set up to wear oh, those. Yeah. Certainly uh, classed up the joint a little bit there. Yeah, we had, to, we had to promote it a little bit, so we had to get some good-looking girls on there. Oh, we do appreciate that. <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks very much. We look forward to Episode uh, 10 next week, and we'll have a special guest that we'll announce beforehand. Thank you very much.